Have you guys ever been on a super unified or ununified team like that? I just think it's kind of neat to, to think about teams and how it is. It, it's, it's a lot like that. You know, it's not, a lot of times, great organizations or teams are not great because they have the, the superstars on them. Now, you know, obviously Tom Brady kind of proves that wrong because he's the GOAT and he won the championship. But, you know, you got to have your, your, your important parts, your, your different parts of it. And, and I think when we get into this section of Ephesians, we're going to talk a little bit about this. It's all about, like, unity in Christ um, and the importance of being united. Uh, and, and I think, you know, just an easy thing, it's important that as a church we're united, right? We could all kind of agree with that. In Ephesians 1 through 3, it's all about God's work. Like, this is what God has done for you guys. And then we're jump, now we're starting Ephesians 4 through 6, and it's kind of like, all right, now you guys need to be a church that, that, that gets us where we need to go. So, so we're going to jump into Ephesians 4, and it's just encouraging reading for me to read Ephesians 4. So let's go ahead and open, if you guys would, to, to Ephesians 4. And we're just going to start off with just three, three verses, one through three. I guess I got open to it, too. And if somebody would be willing to read Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, I would appreciate that a whole bunch. Are you ready? Do it. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. All right, I'm going to read that again. I just want you all to listen to that. And just tell me what stood out to you from that. Um, therefore, I, a prisoner. So Paul is, is connecting the previous three chapters that are all about God's plan and what God did to, to hey, but now you got to do this. So therefore, and he says, I, a prisoner. So he is still a prisoner in Rome at this point, like when he's writing this letter. I always think that's amazing. Like this letter that is this old and this impactful was written in a prison. Like it gives me encouragement of like, no matter how hard things get, God's plan is a lot bigger. Because I think Paul sitting in the prison never really imagined how this little letter he's writing, well, he probably did imagine, but how it could really be a letter that changes the world, you know, and, and there were so many like that. But I beg you to leave a life worth calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble, gentle, be patient with each other, make allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. All right, what, and that, that just three verses, does anything kind of stand out to y'all? Anything you think is interesting? And it's okay if we got not as much talking this time, but what do you think, young man in the corner? Um, he makes a pretty big deal out of keeping the unity in the spirit. Mm -hmm. It seems like just when you think of the Bible in general, that wouldn't be one of the first things you'd say to a group of followers. Right? Because that's a kind of a, a confusing thing to understand, isn't it? Like unity in the spirit. What about y'all at that table? Anything stand out from that section? I was trying to come up with something. That's okay. You're good. So here's what stands out to me. He gives us, he says, all right, you guys are worthy of this calling that I've just talked about in the first three chapters. Now here's what you got to be like. And he gives us these characteristics. So we have characteristics. What are, what are those characteristics? Somebody just go through and read what those different characteristics he said. Go for it, right here, in the front. Humility and gentleness. We got uh, patience. Patience, yeah. Uh, bearing with one another in love. Uh, eager to maintain unity of the Spirit. All right, so when you hear 
those characteristics. Those are pretty good characteristics. I like to think of this as somebody who is spiritually mature. So spiritual maturity for me is, is uh, hard because I sometimes think I'm very spiritually mature and then other times I'm like, I'm so spiritually immature, so it's just a joke. So I don't really know where I'm at. But he says, here is basically what a spiritual mature person needs to look like. You need to be gentle, humble, um, patient, full of love, and bind yourself with peace. So when you hear those of a mature Christian, does anybody come to mind? Like, what kind of person comes to mind when you hear these, like, attributes of what we need to be like? Does anybody have anybody that comes to mind? Gentle, humble, patient, full of love. My mom. Yeah? I mean, are you coming to breakfast, by the way, today? Uh, no. That's a week, dude. Uh, your mom, why? Uh, well, she's like, I mean, she's basically the combination of all those things. Mm -hmm. She kind of has to be because if, uh, I mean, if she wasn't, then that's not really a good thing to learn from, from somebody who's not patient sure. and kind, because then I won't be able to be patient. You, know, you won't be patient or kind, yeah. And, and that does, is your mom. Anybody else? Who else did y'all think of? Do you think of people when you hear that? Because I think it's beneficial to think of people that fit into these characteristics because it gives you somebody to shoot for. I think of, does anybody know a person named Walt Lever? He uh, is the preacher at Brentwood Hills. I always call Walt Lever like my preacher, and David Young does not like it when I say that. But I call him that because of this. When I became a Christian, I was in my 20s, and Walt was the preacher at the church I went to. And I promise y'all, for like a month and a half, every sermon he, he, he gave was directed right at me. I don't know how he did it. I still haven't figured it out, but he was speaking just to me. And that's how, one of the main reasons I became a Christian, because of his sermon. So Walt Lever's always got this, like, I love that dude. But he's not even the one I think of when I think of him. I think of his mom. His mom was Ann Lever. And wherever Ann Lever went, she was not this dynamic person. She, she had a walker, and she was really small and just kind of a plain lady. But wherever she went, it's like the waters parted. Like, you could just tell, like, this woman had, like, this special connection with God that I was really jealous about. I don't know. Maybe she would, and she would be the first to say, no, that's not true. But if I ever really had something hard that, you know, you ask for prayer requests all the time, like, hey, pray for me. And I think that's great. If I had one of those prayer requests where I'm like, this is really important, I'd call Ann Lever because I felt like God listens to her closer than everybody else. But she had these characteristics. And it made her stand out to me. Um, so, anybody else have a person that comes to mind? I have a friend that I worked with that was um, kind of like that prayer person. That, and I, when I think of her, I think of kindness and doing. Yeah. We, she prayed one summer that it wouldn't be hot because people are irritable with each other when it's hot. And so that summer, it, it was a very mild That's funny. <laughs> it's all her, man. Yeah. Tell her to pray for rain this summer because I'm going to start gardening this year. Um, it's cool. Uh, what about this? So when I hear those kind of lists, like, hey, here's a list of how we should be, I start thinking, all right, where do I fit in that? Do you think you can be a spiritually mature Christian and have some of these characteristics? Or is that impossible? Like, I think that's an interesting thought. Can you be humble but not patient and be a spiritually mature Christian? Or do we need to have all these characteristics? doesn't matter. They do, right? So it's almost impossible to have one without the other, right? It would be. Because you can't be, you know, 
Uh, you could be, but it would be difficult. So, yeah, if you have these, if this is who you are and these characteristics are who you are, it kind of all flows together, right? And I think that's kind of the point. Any other thoughts about that? All right, what about this? Um, do, uh, well, I won't ask that. I was going to ask, <laughs> hey, do y'all have any areas that you need to grow in? But that's probably not a cool question to ask, so I'll just keep that one. Um, I know for me, I'm, I feel like I'm a pretty humble guy. I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm pretty gentle. Like, I, I'm loud in Italian, but I feel like I'm a gentle person. But I have no patience. Like, I am the most unpatient person. And so that's why I always, like, struggle with my spiritual maturity. I need to be more patient, and I don't know how to do it, y'all. Like, I, I, uh, my wife just the other day was like, gosh, when you get something on your mind, you really can't move on, can you? And I just can't. Like, if I want to do something, it's like, okay, we got to do that right now. Um, and so I'm really, I've been working on that since I was, goodness, like 25, and I'm 41, so it doesn't get easier. But I think the idea that I'm working on it kind of makes me feel like, okay, that is more spiritually mature, right? All right. We're going to continue reading, unless somebody has something they want to say. Well, it always says, because um, I'm impatient as well. Mm -hmm. But I always say, well, I don't pray for patience because patience comes through tribulation, and I don't want tribulation. Right? I, look, um, we were doing a Bible study years ago, and, and this we were praying that God would... Oh, what was the prayer that this guy prayed? I was at a, a men's Bible study. He prayed... That God would give us an experience like Job, I think is how he explained it. Like, challenge us like Job so that we can grow. And I remember thinking, no, no, don't do that. Challenge him. He asked for it. But the interesting thing is, is like, this is one of my dear friends, Ryan and Keeley. And, and their child, two, a year later, was born with a heart issue and had to have a heart replacement at six months. Y'all, that's one of the strongest families you'll ever meet. And, and their faith is so rooted. And I'll never forget being there while that baby was having surgery. That's intense. Vanderbilt University, God, I love that place. But how intense it is, hey, your six-month-old is having their heart replaced right now. But when that baby came out of that, man, we were tighter. And it was like, okay, many times, I don't know how I got on this because of you, but many times I'm like, I need to start praying that God would give me a Job experience, but y'all, I'm terrified to do it because I watched what that couple went through, and no, I don't think God was like, oh, I'm going to make your kid's life really hard so that you guys can grow as a couple. I don't think that's the case, but they had a Job experience, and they became really strong. I don't want that experience, I don't think, but that's maybe being spiritually immature again. Good point. Anything else? Any other thoughts? All right. Let's read 4, 4 through 6. Just, just three more verses. What was it? 4 and then 4 through 6. Ephesians. Yes, sir. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. All right, good. So I'm going to read it one more time, and I'm just going to do the same thing as last time. Like, what stands out, if anything? And don't feel like you have to dig for me. But uh, it says, For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father, who is over all and in all and through and living through all. Anything stand out about that? They do. Why? I don't know. Maybe you do. But you're right. 
Anything else? Mm -hmm. Why is it important to have this unity? Why do you think Paul is focused on that in this young church? Hey, we got a young church that we're, we're starting to do something. Um, why do you think he's stressing unity? Why is that important? Have y'all ever been in an ununified church? Yeah. Can, so, so I think this is important because they're in, in a Roman, like we said, a Roman province in Asia trying to, to start this young church. If they're not united, they're fallen, right? Like I think unity is so important. Um, so I'll ask this. What message does, and when I say church, I'm not talking North Boulevard. What message does a unified church give to a world and is it important? And I will wait until you answer that because I think that's an important question. Why would it be important right now for us to, what, or what message does being unified give to the world? Why? There's not a lot of unity right now, is there, exactly. in the world? I mean, you could say different parts of the world are unified, but as Christians, if we're unified, it, that's a, one thing that the Bible almost calls us to be is set apart from the world. Mm -hmm. We try and minister to the world, but we also stay separate um, for ourselves. We just want to go against the world. There's so many different places that it tells us. And it's so hard. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard to, to not fall into that. But, but I think when the world sees an ununified church, they say, I hear things like this. This is what I hear when I hear a young, that, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. Like, why should I follow them? Hypocr well, I, here, I'll be the first to say this. Every, it don't matter what you're talking about. If you're talking about a church, a sport, a what, a, hypocrites are everywhere, y'all. We're all hypocrites. Like, we all say things that, that, I just think hypocrites are everywhere. Like, it's not just in the church. It's everywhere. But... I think now more than ever, people need to see the church as like, man, I want to be a part of that group. Because I think there's excitement when you're unified. Like if you go to a, or somewhere and, and everybody's having a good time, you want to be a part of it. But if they're all in their separate little groups, you don't. You know, I think it's really important this time of day in this day and age. Uh, any other thoughts about that? I feel blessed because I've never been in a church that's like fighting or splitting but I've seen people that came from that and the, the, what that does to people. And so I am just thankful that we're not in that at, at our church, you know, or in general. We, we went through that at the church we were in. And the night that, that we were having the vote, you know, to determine Ugh. whatever it was, um, people came in and literally chose Mm. And, and we have people standing up saying we've come to take back our church I mean that, that was probably the most it's just sad wrenching, devastating mm -hmm. thing I've ever been through mm. all, all in the name of the church you know that, that was really hard well and I think I was talking so I called my buddy do are, are, are any of y'all go to MTCS Middle Tennessee Christian School? You did. Long time ago. Brian Dudek was a teacher there, so I called him and talked to him as I was preparing. And uh, 
Gosh, I just lost my train of thought because what repeat what you did the last thing you just said. And we were talking about unification now, and we were talking about churches in the COVID era, and I'm like, the one thing that I've seen is we've become more unified. Like, because I'm telling you, um, my favorite church service I've gone to has been those outdoor services. Did y'all ever go to those? I love outdoor services. But I'm telling y'all, pre-COVID, y'all, if we had had, hey, we're going to do a month of outdoor services, I don't care what church building you'd have been on, people would have been complaining because the sun was too hot, because the pollen was getting them, because they couldn't see David, because there was a glare. But we were just glad to be able to be together. So it was like a beautiful thing. So I do think, like, when you, you things like COVID have actually kind of unified the church in a weird way. And, it, and I'm appreciative of it. Uh, and I've seen a, quite a few ways that, that that's happened. So, um, yeah, good. Anything else? I think, yeah, I'm going to stop talking. Let's read 7 through 16. I need one more good reader. And I'll tell you all this, like we're going to get through 7 through 16. And uh, if we're done, we're done. We're not just going to keep going. So we may have a little bit of extra time. But uh, y'all aren't as talkative as you normally are, and that's okay. So anybody got 7 through 16 for me? I got it. Let's see. However, each has been given, oh, hold on. each has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. This is what the scripture says. When, they, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the, other, all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts God, Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church in the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to our full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about with every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of this body. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, as each part does in its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I love that. I think that is just beautiful. What stands out? Anything. Something's got to stand out from, from, from that scripture. Young man, right here. What, anything kind of ring a bell to you? You can say no. Right, it's okay. Um, speaking the truth in love. Um, How hard is that, man? And that's one of those things where I think sometimes that can go both ways. I think people say, well, I'm just speaking the truth in love when they're not really speaking the truth. But... Speaking the truth in love is hard, but important. Thank you. Anything else? What about the gifts? Do you guys feel like God's blessed you with gifts? What gifts? Yeah, I think so. Did I share this last week or two weeks ago? So, um, about the VeggieTales Bible study. Do y'all remember? You'd remember. Did I bring up VeggieTales in this class? Let's just see real quick. So, we were studying VeggieTales, and... Uh, 
studying VeggieTales. We were doing a VeggieTale Bible study with my family, and my son was reading it, and it was talking all about things that he likes to do. It's like, what are the things you like to do? He likes to run. He likes to play sports. He likes to, to, to do this. And it said, what, has, what talents has God given you? And he's like, I'm smart, and I'm fast, and, and, I'm, and I'm strong. I can pick my dad up, and things like that. And then it was goes on to say, you know, a lot of times God gives you those things you truly in love and enjoy because he wants you to use that to bless others. And so me and my son were talking about that. And I was like, well, how can you use that? And he was like, well, if you're tired, I can carry you up the stairs because, you know, he can pick me up. Things like that. So he wasn't spiritually mature enough to kind of make it make sense to him. But I started thinking about it. And I really do think what a great gift God has given us. Like I have certain things I love to do. I love talking, and I feel like God has blessed me with that talent to bless others. I love, you know, seeing a, a, a place that is here and knowing it can go there and being in charge of it and taking it from there to there. That's why I love being a principal. Like, God has blessed me with things that I love to do, and, and I, I never really thought about it as, like, those are the gifts that God has given us to, to, to bless others. But I do think there's a lot of truth to that. So... Think about that. Like those things you love to do, those things you're good at, those things that bring you joy, man, those could be gifts that God's saying, go use this to bless others. Don't forget about that. Um, all right, I'm going to keep going. All right, Jesus has given believers gifts through the Spirit. What's the purpose of giving us these gifts? What do you think? Who's got their Bible open? Um, Carol, will you read 12 and 13 one more time? Awesome. So why is God, why did, why did Jesus give us the, bless us with these gifts? Why do we have these gifts? So we can bless other people. Bring, and that's the ultimate goal, right? Like, the ultimate goal is, who cares if, you're, if I'm good at talking if I don't use it to bless others? Who cares if, if he's good at, I don't know what you're good at. You're good at, like, technology stuff, right? So who cares if you're good at technology? You could do the best whatever. If you're not using it to bring others to Christ, who cares? What's the point, right? I mean, yeah, you might get a good job with it, but deep down, what's the point of it? So, so I think we've been blessed with all these gifts. And I think it's interesting because there's, I'm trying to think, what scripture is it where they, they go more in depth into different gifts? It's like Colossians or, y'all know what I'm talking about? Or Corinthians? Fruits, well, maybe fruits of the Spirit, but I feel like somewhere in the Bible it talks about these gifts, but they're more like, oh, it says, for those who were good at this, they do this. And it kind of talks about writing letters and things like that, and I can't think of where that is. But this one, it talks more about, like, jobs almost, like pastors and teachers and evangelicals or something, the prophets, the apostles. I think it's easy to think, well, I don't have those gifts. I'm not one of those. But I don't think that's what he's saying. So, so God has, has given us all gifts to, to do what you said. What did you say? Bring others to, to, to him. So here's my question. How do you guys use your talents to bring others to Christ? Do you? Or how could you? Tell them I go to church. What's that? Tell them I go to church. Tell them you go to church. All right. What else? 
Mm -hmm. What's so hard is unique in that we have all kinds of ministries, uh, and one that comes to mind is this quilting ministry. I mean, there are ladies who like to quilt, mm -hmm. and so they invite other ladies who may not be a part of, or at least pre-COVID, who may not be a part of a church. Really? I didn't know that was going on. Quilting. That's pretty neat. So who likes to quilt? Nobody? You? Yeah, you look like a quilter. No, they have small groups that yes. concentrate on hiking. There's hiking small groups. And you can invite people who like to hike who may not be a part of the church to be in the small group with you. That would be pretty so sweet. People, um, Talents, quilting. loves. Now, so let me ask you this. Is it harder to, to, to use your talents to, to bless us? Or how do I want to say this? Is it harder to use your talents in a large church compared to a small church? Because here's what I think of. I think I used to be a part of a small, small church. I used to have to preach when the preacher couldn't. I, I taught Sunday school every Sunday for the, the, the high school. Um, I would take them to, to events. Because there was nobody else to do it. We just had a small church. And I think sometimes at a church like North Boulevard, it's kind of easy just to maintain, right? And to kind of hide under the radar. Um, or to just never truly get involved. Because you don't have to. Because you know, oh, well, hey, they already got a quilting ministry. You love to quilt. But they already got a quilting ministry. Don't worry about it. And, you know, you love to hike, right? You like to hike? You look like a hiker. No? You don't like to hike? Good. They got a hiking ministry, but you don't got to worry about it because somebody's already doing it. Like, I think it's easy in a large church to just kind of maintain. So, any thoughts about that? What do y'all, is there ways that y'all make sure that you're not hiding in the, not hiding, but not helping because it is somebody already doing it? What do y'all do? Any thoughts about that? Like, Carol Lamb. She's not in college anymore, right? Like, she's got... Kids that were in college are already out of college. All your kids are out of college, right? Her talent is working with kids this age, so she's using it. It'd be easy for her not to, though, because guess what? There's college-age people that can do that. Like, who would have thought, how, I'm not going to ask how old you are. Somebody in her 40s, right, would be the one who's leading the college class. She saw a need and she did it. And so that's what I want you all to do, is make sure, even though you guys know, like, there's more talent in this room than, than maybe any of the, these other rooms combined. Like, don't tell people I said that, but I just believe in this age group. You guys know a lot. So use your talents to bring others to, to Jesus. Like, I read this, and if I was the, were you the guy that paraphrased last time, or was that another guy? That was another guy. I read this, and I read, Christ is just asking us. He's saying this. It's so important. I think it's, I think if this book represents where we are right now in the world. Because if you look at what's going on societally, it's hard sometimes. But I think this, he just says this, guys, we've got to be united. We've got to be one. Because we are one. Like, we all follow Christ. It's one baptism. And then, to go further, if we want to bring everybody to Christ, we've got to use our, our talents and our gifts to do it. Simple. Simple but important. So... We're going to end on that because I don't know if I can stand up any longer because I'm still like having COVID headaches. So any thoughts, questions, or anything you guys want to kind of close out with? I did find the verse. That do it. Read that because I don't want you all to think I'm making it up. This was 1 Corinthians 
manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge, by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of the tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. Mm. There's so many things that, that we can do to, to bring others to Christ. I'm going to end it with this. What time is class supposed to end? 10, 15? I asked that every Sunday, or 10, 30. I can't remember. Oh, well, I'm not that bad off. I'm, it's almost 10, 15. Here's how I'm going to end it with. is uh, The most impactful person in my spiritual walk for like 10 years was this this is going to sound weird when it's coming out but was one of my best friend's wife's his wife's name was Laura and she was a real quiet girl like not nothing she didn't stand out in any way she was just kind of like just your typical wife i don't know just normal but Laura had had a talent of writing like she wrote letters i didn't realize this until my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer. And, and then Laura wrote me like this letter that was so impactful. Her name's Laura Karkoff. If anybody knows her, give her a pat on the back. She wrote this letter that was so impactful. Like two years later, I was really struggling with just some things going on in my family. Get a letter in the mail. Laura Karkoff wrote me a letter. Hey, I just, I've heard that you were struggling. I just want you to know I'm praying and just wrote these scriptures out. Y'all, that was... 15 years ago was the last time I got a letter from her. When I see Laura, it's the weirdest thing. When we see each other, we both just start crying. Because she impacted me so much that I can't not look at her without feeling like this, this just like love. Or this, it's hard to explain. And I don't cry. Like my wife thinks it's hilarious because she's probably seen me cry two times and that was the last two times I saw Laura. And I don't know what it is, but it's because I, I knew that's a person that took, took time to make sure she knew, she, I, I knew that she cared. I don't know how to put it into words, but the point is this. That was her talent. If you asked her to teach a Bible class, she would have failed. If you asked her to, 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 to get up and like teach a woman's class, she could not, that's not her talent. And I think a lot of times we want our talents to be something impactful. Like, man, I wish I was like David Hunzinger, man. That kid can get up as like a 29-year-old, I don't know how old he is, and do this preaching. I'm like, man, I'm jealous of you. I wish God blessed me with that talent. Or we want these talents that are like, hey, I'm, I'm the, the, I can quilt faster than anybody. I don't know. But um, not always are our talents what we, what we think are going to be those impactful talents. A girl writing me three letters when I needed to hear three letters and I needed to spiritually lift up was more impactful than just about any other class I've been a part of, any other preaching I've ever heard. So my point is this, is find your talent, let God bless others through your talents, okay? And it doesn't have to be an impactful talent. So thank y'all. Let's end in a prayer. And uh, y'all have a great week, okay? It's supposed to be like 70, which means it'll probably like tornado or something. So just be ready. That's what I think of, like, as when, if you guys ever get into, like, anybody going to be a teacher or a principal in here? Not one person. 
Well, never mind. That's all I think of weather changes like, oh, gosh, are we going to have to hide in the bathrooms tomorrow? You know? All right, let's say a prayer, guys. Father God, we thank you so much for today. I thank you for just this warm weather. I thank you for um, just the change of seasons and how that is just such a blessing, God, and so beautiful. God, I pray that, that you just help us to always know that, that we have talents that, that can bless others, God. I pray you make it obvious what our talents are or what talents you want us to use, God, what our gifts are and how you want us to use them so that in the end we can bring everybody to Christ, God. Like I pray that everybody comes to have a deep, strong relationship through Christ. And I pray that this group in here has a lot to do with that. Um, we just thank you for your son. It's in his name I pray. Amen. All right, guys.